0: Take your Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There'll be Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Songs. This is a standalone message. We haven't really been in a series for well, actually we finished a series in on Vision for a couple of weeks, but I have a standalone and, and and I really didn't know what I was gonna talk about. It was a busy, 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 busy week. Working through some stuff and uh I thought about saying, Well, you know what, I think I'll preach on procrastination. And just come up and say, you know, I'm going to preach on procrastination, but I procrastinated and didn't get to it. Um, but I'm not doing that. So I want to talk. I've never talked about this, uh, this subject this morning. But in this season of high octane and ministry that I've had working through a number of issues, uh, mo- most of them good, but some really difficult. In, in the midst of that, I realize it is so easy to lose our joy, isn't it? In, in your life. You know, your work, I hear people all the time, oh, man, work has busted me, and, and I'm tired of it. It's so easy that our joy gets put on the back burner. Our laughter gets put on the back burner because we forget, well, what Nehemiah said, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's time to laugh again. Yeah. I read a story years ago about a woman. She won $17 million in the Florida lottery. After receiving the news, she went home. And the first thing she did was tell her live-in boyfriend, I've just won the lottery. Start packing. And her boyfriend was so excited. He he asked, the old chap was pretty smart. So he excitedly asked the logical question. Awesome. Should I pack for warm weather or cold weather? With little emotion or thought she said simply I don't really care just pack everything and be out of here by the time I get home (laughs) there's good news and there's bad news there's things to have joy over there's things to really not have joy over now as I talk about this there's no getting around the truth that life is hard if you read the newspapers if you listen to the news front and center it's always something so serious and so negative And it's obvious to see that when they're talking to you on the on the newscast and when they're writing to you in the newspaper, their joy isn't to lead you into a joy of mission or a mission of joy. But it's so easy to move from enjoying life to simply enduring it, isn't it? And sometimes I think that happens because we get so inundated with just negative stuff. And that's stuff out there. It's not even the stuff that you and I have to deal with day after day. And so we move into this whole thing where we simply endure life day after day and seldom enjoy it. And I want to tell you, that is not God's intention for you and for me. Somewhere between youthful joy and childhood innocence, many of us have moved into the adult neighborhood of the frowner downer, haven't we? Where everything's a bummer. Everything's a downer. We never see the glasses half full anymore. And I'm finding as as, as as the older I get, the more I have to work at this. Because you, there's a sense of reality, and there's things that you deal with day in and day out, and there's life reality that you see. It's really easy to kind of get kind of a skewed perspective on life. But I want to ask you, as I'm thinking about this in my own life, when did health? What did the healthy sense of humor get sacrificed? on the altar of growing up adulthood. When did we become so serious? We had to continually adopt a grim reaper mindset. Everything is doom and gloom. Does anybody deal with that? Well, here's what Ecclesiastes says. Let's go to the Bible real quick. There is a time for everything, chapter 3. Remember the song by the birds back in the 60s? They took it from this song. They took it from this writing of Solomon, who at this time uh, was incredibly wise. But he was also in kind of a backslidden state away from God. He says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to born, a time to die. Time to plant, a time to uproot. Time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. And notice this, verse four, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, time to mourn and a time to dance. Have you ever thought about why we laugh? Why did God create us with this ability to laugh? Well, I'm thinking about this because uh, Friday after I got home and I was just sitting there, thinking, and, and this doesn't happen too often, but I was thinking, what, what? God, what am I going to, what am I going to talk about on, on Sunday? And uh, I just, I, I didn't have anything. And a couple of things hit me. And I just started laughing about them. And they weren't necessarily good things. And I thought, isn't it true that if you can, if you can laugh at some things, ultimately you can live with them. And it finally struck me that, you know what? It doesn't matter what's happening around me. God has has given me by his, he says in his word, his joy. And I should be able to laugh about things. Now, I'm not talking about frivolous silliness. I'm not talking about a giddy approach to life or the things of God where you have this Pollyanna perspective. But there is a faith and a God perspective where as you go through life, you realize that, you know what, it's it's not always going to be good. But your attitude and your perspective on it will always determine your attitude, altitude. I'm not talking today about laughter in a disrespectful, dirty, degrading, or ungodly way about things that would compromise our life and our testimony. That Well, Baxter said to wife, laugh, so let's just go out and tell the dirtiest jokes we can, or when we're listening to them, we just laugh. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about a laugh that flows from our soul and from our heart because we really are thankful for who God is and what he's done. Now, there's, there's a number of places in the Bible that... Talk about laughter and some of them actually are negative. Remember Genesis chapter 18 Sarah was told that she was gonna have a baby her her body was basically dead Her womb was dead and God said she was gonna have a baby. What'd she do? It says she laughed And then God comes back to her. and says, why did you laugh? You know, there is kind of this incredulous laugh. There's a sarcastic laugh It says in a couple of places where God is on his throne and he's laughing he's laughing at the people that are standing against him that are speaking against him it isn't a laugh that's rooted in hilarity but in the insanity of people who challenge and reject him but i really believe that if god can laugh at people because of their craziness and their insanity and their their rejection of him obviously he can laugh in some positive ways even if scripture doesn't know it. why because we have this innate ability most of us have a great desire to laugh don't we well so why do we do that well let me give you a couple of things this morning number one it's good for my health it's good for your health when i was a freshman in high school uh, i played sports so i always had lunch with the juniors and seniors but they kind of had their own little center and they would sit in there, you know, there were these big dogs and they were just kind of the, you know, the, the, the stud muffins and stud girls of school. And I'd have to walk over to this little place to get my lunch. It was just usually a little round pizza and a Coke. I would get it. And then I would have to walk by all these juniors and seniors. And if it was nice in Oregon, which happened a few days a year, we would go out into this courtyard and that's kind of where the freshmen were the ones that were playing sports and part of my class. One day it was spring and I went and oftentimes for a quarter, I'd go buy this little dish of ice cream and I went and bought it and I had to walk by all the seniors in the senior center, senior and junior center. I walked by and I get ready to go out into our courtyard and you know how you kind of look down and you're getting ready to get a little bite. Well going out into the courtyard, it's all this whole wall of glass sliding glass door i think the janitors had just cleaned them and and the sun came in at such a at such an angle in way that guess what i was kind of walking and eating and looking up and not really paying attention and all of a sudden boom i walked right into it and i had ice cream oh this big spot on the window and on my on my front and I, I mean, I had to turn so red because all I could hear was these juniors and seniors over here just laughing. And then right outside were all of my friends just laughing. And I didn't laugh. I had to go to the bathroom and clean up. Why do I tell you a story? Because can I tell you something? I can laugh like crazy at that now. That's probably one of the most embarrassing but one of the funniest things that's ever happened. I mean, if you were there, you would have laughed. as you get older, I want to be able to laugh. I don't want to lose the sense of humor. If that happened to me today, I'd probably, I'd probably turn really red, but I think I'd quickly turn around and just laugh with everybody. Is, isn't that how we should do it? Laughter's good for you. It's got a lot of health benefits. You can look up these on your own. And, but, but, you know, a couple of things. It ramps up our, our T-cells. Laughter relaxes the whole body. A good hearty laugh relieves physical tension and stress. It will leave your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes. Laughter boosts your immune system. Laughter decreases stress hormones and increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibiotics, thus improving your resistance to diseases around you. Laughter triggers the the release of endorphins. You ever notice that? When you get around fun people, all of a sudden, the endorphins kind of just go That's the body's natural feel-good chemicals. Endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being and even uh, temporarily can relieve pain. Laughter will protect your heart. Laughter improves the function of blood vessels and increases the blood flow, which can help protect you against a heart attack and other cardiovascular issues. Dr. Paul McGee said this, your sense of humor is one of the most powerful tools you have to make certain that your daily mood and emotional state support good health. Now, all that kind of makes me chuckle and laugh. You know why? Because Proverbs, the book of books, God's word said thousands of years ago, before all of these medical information came out and research came out, he said in Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Somehow, I don't know if it's that, you know, it begins to drain the calcium out of our bones or what. But when you see Debbie Downers and Donnie Downers, and they can never see the good of what God's doing, even though they've experienced it. There's a sense where it begins to dry up our bones. It makes our life more brittle. But it says here that there is a medicine, that a cheerful heart is like medicine. It's like taking a prescription, an Rx, that'll make you feel good. God never decided that the prevailing attitude of his followers, you and me, should be one of boredom, solemnness, seriousness, busyness, the prevailing attitude. Yes, there's times to be serious. But overall, he says, I want there to be a joy that emanates. God never Said that or encourage those negative things throughout His Word. God tells us that a characteristic of His followers, of someone who follows Jesus, is this outrageous and contagious joy. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest books in the Bible, the Book of Philippians, is simply the theme of it: is joy in difficult times. And what's a byproduct when you experience joy in your life? When you're having fun with somebody, what's going to begin to happen? Hopefully, you're going to begin to laugh. You're going to enjoy their company. Sometimes we just have to choose to put a smile on our face, don't we? Sometimes, you know, when I speak here, one of the hardest things, there's people I have to avoid. (laughs) Because I look at them and go, man, they are a downer, they are a bummer. It'll bring health to you. Secondly, it, 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 it tells me who my friends are. Most important question we should ask of each of your friends, about your friends, is who has the keys to your life? Who's the Lord of your life? Who's really driving your life? That's the most important thing. If you have a Christ follower who's a friend, is Jesus really the Lord of your life, the supreme being, the one that helps you call the shots, that gives you direction for your life? And if you have somebody that's a pre-Christ follower, that's what we should always be doing is living our lives in such a way that we're helping them see what lordship is, where Jesus is preeminent. He's the priority in everything that we do. But secondly, I think it's good to have friends that have a sense of humor. See, when you laugh together with friends and family, you affirm them. You build up their self-esteem. They build up your self-esteem. You know, I do a lot of work with churches and sometimes that can be pretty negative when you go into a situation where pastors and churches are resistant to change and to grow and to maybe change some things that they need to change so they can finally move forward in the things of God. So it's kind of tense. But these guys that I work with, one of the reasons I love doing it is because I can go and we can just give the gallows church humor like crazy. I Maybe mean, we can just laugh and enjoy the company of one another. See, laughter breaks down barriers. I don't know why I said twice this morning the F word, other than uh, I don't know, you know. But you laughed, and hopefully that at least you go, "Oh, that poor pastor. <laughs> he's he's losing it." But we'll just we'll just pray for him and love him and. Give him the grace of Jesus. I hope you do that, because I could usually do that for most of you. <laughs> I remember, you know, we used to sit in rows here. Some of you never never experienced that, but we used to sit in rows here. And I, I have a good friend who will remain nameless, um, who often would sleep during my talks. I knew it. His wife knew it. He knew it. And and. Again, being a public if you 've never done public speaking, you, you, you don 't understand some of the dynamics. they say it 's one of the hardest jobs there is because if you 're like me, th- I, this isn 't comfortable for me i don't don 't get up and go good. I get to go speak in front of a few hundred people today that 's cool uh, it just, it's just it 's something that happened, and I do it. I love doing it now, but it's it's hard and so there's a guy who used to sit probably right about over here it 's not Billy but um, <laughs> But he, when we had when we when we had the rose, that's about where this person would sit. And I'd see him nodding off. Kind of made me mad for a while, and then I'd just, well, whatever. And then I'd see his wife kind of, you know, wake up. You know what I learned to do? Instead of getting upset? I had fun with it. I would uh I would kind of come down here, you know, kind of real quiet. And I'd be talking And I'd kind of make my way a little closer, as close as I could, then I'd stand here for a second, talk real quiet, and then all of a sudden I'd go, and then, and this guy, who I won't name, he would wake up, he'd go, right on, Pastor, preach it. (laughs) And I wanted to go, you little fibber, you didn't hear a word I said. See, sometimes you just gotta laugh with your friends. Because they're all so imperfect. Uh, one MD noted this, that humor and laughter is infectious. The sound of roaring laughter is far more contagious than any cough, sniffle, or sneeze. When laughter is shared, it binds people together, increases happiness, and get this, intimacy. Best of all, this priceless medicine is free, fun, and easy to use. You just have to be aware of it and open to it in life, in the day-by-day stuff. I've told you this before. One of the joys of my life is when I'm working at home in my office and Trina's in one of the rooms and all of a sudden I just hear this cackle. I hear this laugh and I'll walk in there and she is watching some of the stupidest shows you know in the whole wide world. I mean, she's watching one, uh, you know a rerun of I Love Lucy for the 12th time. I said, honey, I've seen that four times, and I only see that show with you. You're kidding me. Oh, it's so funny. But that laughter, you know what it does? Makes me just want to go over and hug her and kiss her. It builds intimacy because when I know that she's happy, there's something that it does for me. And she will tell you that she knows when things are difficult in my life because of how I am either joyful and laughing or not. And one of the things that causes the greatest insecurity in her is when I get serious, busy, and important. And that's where she she gets a little bit insecure, wondering what's going on. It builds intimacy. See, we really have this slanted view of our greatest friend, Jesus, don't we? See, we miss some of the underlying humor of how he talked. We just see these great statements, you know, when he's speaking to the multitudes. But there really is a lot of humor and Hebrew idiom and humor and hyperbole and exaggeration that Jesus used. Remember Matthew 7 and the Sermon on the Mount? He's talking to everybody. He's talking about not judging. And see, we just fly by that and we say, oh, yeah, don't judge. But this is what Jesus does. He uses this hyperbole. And these people probably had to be laughing because he's saying, don't you know, you're walking around. And you got a plank in your eye. I mean, you you got a a stinking sequoia. (laughs) And and, and you're looking at other people that have a little, little, little little spot of sodas. And you're wanting them to take out that little spot of sodas. When you got this big plank in your eye, then I mean, you know, you're taking people out with it. he's talking about judging. And sometimes we miss that Jesus was probably a fairly humorous teacher and communicator. And we just see him as this serious guy. He's a great friend. And I think he wants us to laugh. He brings humor to our lives. It gives me perspective on my life. Laughter gives me a broader and hopefully a better perspective on life. It can help me to see life the way God sees it. So often I just see it my way and I don't rise above and begin to see things from God's word and God's perspective. I had a friend, he was a pastor. His name was Butch Plummer. He died of cancer back in <clears throat> uh, 1997. He told me this story one time when we were just meeting and he was kind of a mentor and, I was talking to him about some of the issues I was dealing with here. He told me the story about how he, he pastored in Tustin, California, which is behind the Orange Curtain uh, in Orange County. And um, he says, listen, Terry, one time, because uh, Orange County, he said, it flew right over my building. The landing, uh, the, 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 flight path, the flight landing pattern was right over our building. And he says, I could always see my church building when I came in there. And I was just going through this really difficult time, and I was just kind of complaining to God. And he said, measure it. What? So God said to him, measure it. He goes, oh, okay, measure it. So he quickly gets out this little six-inch ruler, holds it up to the window, and he measures his building, and it's less than even an inch. And, he, and God spoke to him. He said, that's how big your problem is to me. And he said, he sat back and he laughed and he got ready to go back to work when he landed. See, loved ones, sometimes if we just measure it, if we can see it from God's perspective, guess what? It's not as big as we think it is. And sometimes instead of getting so upset about it, we can begin to laugh at it. Listen, life is hard. Loved ones get sick. People die. People get fired. People lose money. People get hurt. Accidents occur. I understand that. But we don't have to stay on that side of life all the time. Life, it's important to grieve. But we have a loving Lord who gives us joy and hope on the other side to laugh again. Uh, If you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, the creator of the cosmos, and ultimately the one that gives us life. Just look in the mirror. I don't know about you, but again, as I I just know God, he laughs because of who I am and what I do. Now, I don't know if he was laughing about earlier when I started service, but <laughs> you did. But God has to laugh about some of those things that we do and crazy ways that we have. And some of us have got to bring back a rhythm and a perspective of laughter and joy because it is the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And I sometimes invert that to say the strength of the Lord is my joy. Life is meant to have a rhythm. You can't live life. Ecclesiastes says in in, in eight verses, it gives you all these different couplets of opposites. You can't live life in one of those all the time. You can't always be tearing down without building up. You cannot always be laughing without having some grief to balance it out. But some of you got to realize you just can't live in grief and negativity and difficulty without bringing some joy. Nobody wants to be around a lemon sucker or someone that looks like they always are. Nobody wants to be around a pastor that's always busy and tired and run down and can't do his job and begging. And, you know, you know what I mean? You don't want to come to a church like that. You want to come to a church. And I think Creekside is, is, is really becoming like that where there's joy, where people can celebrate, where people can laugh at our who we are because we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we're hopefully building a rhythm. That's why in this church, love, just a parenthetical statement here that that's why sometimes we don't do some of the ministries that we've done in the years past because we're trying to narrow cast. So we're not so busy and frazzled and trying to do everything that we focus on the important things, growing in Jesus and reaching people for Jesus and not just having a bunch of activities around her that keep us like this little club. The life has to have a rhythm to it. There's a season. Time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, time to dance. There are seasons in your life, loved ones, and the thing is you don't want to get stuck in them. You want to gain perspective to say, this is a season I need to grieve, but I know that God's going to give me joy in the morning. I'm going to laugh again. That's what Ecclesiastes says. See, the Jews, the Jews had this Sabbath tradition. It was called Havdalah. And, and, and it reflects the benefits of living a life of rhythm. The Havdalah takes place at the conclusion of the Sabbath in the evening. And its custom was simply this. They would, they would, they would light a candle. This is as their Sabbath ended. What was the Sabbath to them? It was a day where they did very, very, very little. It was a day to worship. It was a day to rest from the normal activity and course of life. Focus on Yahweh, their God. At the end of the day, they'd light this candle. And they would take their wine. And they would just spill it on a little saucer. Weren't there. Set it aside. And they would reflect on their Sabbath day. And then they would take and they would extinguish the candle in it. And then they would reflect. And what this would do, the spilling of the wine into the saucer, it symbolized this the Sabbath rest and the influence not only on their life for that day, but it would remind them of taking that Sabbath rest into the rest of their upcoming week. It was a day that they would, it's how they'd end their Sabbath, but begin their next week. So they would remember. Rest, take a break, remember your God, laugh, enjoy this gift called life. Now some people say, well, I'll just take the wine. No, no. No, 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 no. That's how we get into trouble because we begin to look to wine and to drugs and to sex and to illicit relationships and wrong things to provide the joy and the rest that God says, I just want you to make it a priority to remember it, to keep it before you. Another one of my longtime mentors, never, I only met him once. He wouldn't know me. If you ever saw me, but he's written two books that have shaped my life more than any two books uh, besides the Bible. He was probably one of the first, quote, mega pastors on the West Coast. His name was Jerry Cook. And he wrote this book. I read it probably at least almost every year, every year and a half, because it talks about the time where he went from being one of the top pastors in the world almost to where he had almost a breakdown Um, had a heart attack, changed his life forever. I believe he was probably 44, 45. He was so burnt. He was so frazzled. He literally had to go away for a few months into the Colorado hills just to get rest and to get rehabbed soul emotionally, his soul emotionally. And then his physical body, his heart after open heart surgery, as he was there, he wrote this to his wife. And it moves me every time I read it because it reminds me of the importance of laughter. He says this, laughter. He wrote this to his wife when he was away from her going through this rehab. Not strained or shallow, fun laughter. It just sort of bubbles out. It's easy. It's smooth. It's the kind that people have when they're enjoying. It's not anything in particular, but everything in general. It's a being together kind of laughter somewhere, sometimes, somehow. Oh, I traded being laughter for doing laughter. Doing laughter is okay. It's real and fun, but somehow it's not enough, at least not enough between companions. Doing laughter seems to wear out. It always looks for another event, something to liberate it for another brief moment, only to be abandoned in search of another. But it is being laughter that I am seeking with you, my love. Yet the search itself denies it. it is something, it is not something searched for. It is sort of a rushing surprise, a serendipity of fellowship. It's cartwheels on the sand, imperfect, yet more beautiful than a dozen gold medal performances. It's singing, uh, not great worth like the London Symphony is accomplishment. But it's rides, it's walks, it's stolen kisses, it's easy, it's smooth. Ah, there it is, being laughter. What happened? Well, I got serious, life got serious, Demands supposed omnipotence. The universe surely required my involvement to survive, and being laughter slipped uh, slipped away like a shadow. It slipped past me. It walked on with my baby girl, fathering a perfect child is serious business, you know. It walked on with my love, being head of the house and priest in the home and spiritual leader and final authority and, and, and it's serious business, you know. Oh, but my children laughed, but not with me. He's tired. He's sick. He's angry. He's gone away into his own lonely, serious little world. It's a world of doing laughter. It's a world of objects and duties and calendars and things and problems and expectations, airports, motels, assignments, jet lag. Oh, the children laughed as they grew, but I was doing important things and missed them my love laughed but not with me we must be serious in the presence of this wonderful man and who does such magnificent things where did this fellow come from he's like being sentenced to carry a corpse for penance a mild heart attack they said an angiogram they said just to be sure surgery they said heart disease they said who is this fellow that is left he doesn't want to be serious but what else is there maybe if given a chance and help, maybe this real person will emerge. A day will come, I'm not sure just how, when without the corpse, my love and I will laugh together again. Laughter, not strained, not shallow, but being laughter. Just the sort that bubbles out, the kind of laughter people have when they know they are enjoying. See, that's what we want in life, isn't it? A being laughter because... We have this relationship with God that doesn't get shelved in the hum and busyness and press of life. And see, I believe that laughter makes Christ smile. See, God has feelings. I have no doubt that He smiles when we're smiling, that He grieves when we're grieving. I mean, that's what Hebrews 7 says. It says that, or uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says that. He, he, he has experienced everything that he, we experience. And literally it says in Hebrews 7 that he's up there now praying for us. He knows what's going on. And I can imagine that, that he looks down on Sunday morning and says, Oh, God, just, Lord, I got to help Terry again. And he says that to you. Or he says, Oh, that was pretty good, Terry. I want to celebrate with him. You say, Well, what do you mean? Well, see, Zephaniah 3.17 says that God dances over us and gives great joy, brings great joy around us. He, he dances over us, loved ones. I'm convinced that laughter is a sign of growing spiritual maturity in Jesus because he's the one that brings that love and grace and joy to us. It's why so that we not only can experience here, but we can begin to share it with others. Show me someone who doesn't have joy. Show me someone who is unable to laugh, and I have a real doubt that they're really experiencing joy at the core of their heart and life and soul. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you know how much fun it is to watch your kids laugh. Growing up with our kids, I didn't have the availability or the access to a video calendar. Now I got a, now I got a phone. It just takes pictures and it takes video. I was sitting in bed the other night with Trina and I just, I went to my little video section on my phone. I just started playing some videos of Isaac who has the most wonderful laugh in the whole wide world. And when he laughs, I don't care what I'm going through. It makes me smile and laugh with him and I'm playing them. And Trina goes, let me see that. And she starts watching these and you know, I got like 1600 on my phone. I got to download them. And she goes, would you just start sending me some of those? because we just sat there in our bed and we laughed at this funny little boy. And if and if and if this little boy can do that with me, imagine what it does for God when you and I are enjoying him and his people to the fullest and the life, the gift that he's given us. See Galatians 5:22 God could have said Okay, I want the prevailing attitude and characteristics of my children to be sternness, seriousness, and boring, and just have this lifeless approach, and be the people that go out there so serious that people are going to follow them. Are you kidding me? No, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. That's what happens when you receive Jesus, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. He infiltrates your life. He changes the colors of your life painting palette. He redecorates the inner part of your life from the interior, producing a joyous, contagious joy that we should be giving to other people. We should not be known as the most serious against everything people in the world like the church usually is. We should be known as people who have a contagious joy, Not frivolous, but it's simply, no matter what, God's large and in charge. One of the great preachers of open Bible came to us when I was in Bible college. And uh, I didn't know he was that great, but everyone, oh, boy, you got to come here, brother, so-and-so. And he comes up, and he's got this really good preacher's voice. And he comes up, and he grabs the pulpit. And he says, students. I want to speak to you today about the joy of the Lord. <laughs> I was in the back row, and I said to my friend Glider, I said, let's go. I don't think I want to hear about joy from this guy. <laughs> and see, we live that way sometimes. Well, let me just tell you about Jesus. You know what I'm going through? This and this and this. And if you get to Jesus, you're going to experience the same thing. <laughs> no, thanks. see, when your lives are marked by moving from sin and you're daily repenting and saying, God, change this in me. Oh, it begins to have this winsomeness and joy because, you know, the joy, David said, of sins forgiven. You don't look over your back. You look forward. As Paul said, you press on to Jesus. And see, that's why I can laugh because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. One of my big issues in life is it's really easy for me to take myself way too seriously and not take God seriously enough. Can you relate to that? Or I make God too serious with my words and actions and then people just can't relate to him. See, when I take myself too seriously, I tend to look to Terry for all the answers. But when I take Jesus seriously, I tend to look to him for more of the answers to my life because I know he's got them and he'll give them. Listen, friends, don't miss this. Spiritual life and people coming to Jesus. What we do here is serious business. But do you think Jesus, who was Emmanuel, God with us, who came, it says in John 17 and 14, to reveal the Father to us, do you think that he didn't ever laugh and have fun? There is no way that a man could attract little children, women, and men if he couldn't laugh, have fun, have fun and enjoy life. One of the greatest things that used to be said about me when I first came to this church is I had another friend, whenever he'd see me, he'd always go, hey, happy heart. He didn't say that to me anymore. That's probably because I'm 20 years older and all that kind of stuff. But I used to think, I hope I haven't gotten away from generally being a happy heart. Because if I am, that probably means I'm not necessarily getting closer to Jesus, but I'm allowing life to crowd out that relationship. See, Jesus went to parties. He attracted people. Psalm says this in Psalm 126. Listen to this. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth, it was filled with laughter. Our tongue was singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. They were returning from Babylonian captivity. They were an oppressed people. They were enslaved. It was not a good life. It was a bad life. And they're coming back, and they're saying, this is too good to be true, but it's so good it has to be true. And their whole thing was God is filling our mouths with laughter, our hearts with joy, and we are glad. See, we've got an enemy today, too, the enemy of our soul called Satan. Who wants to entrap us. But we have this God, this Jesus, who came, the good news, the gospel, who died for us. He came and lived a sinless life for 33 years, died on the cross, resurrected on the third day. Why? So we could experience forgiveness of sins. He built a bridge to the Father, to heaven, so we could experience eternal life. And friends, that's why we can laugh. That's why we can have joy. Because every day we get up, it doesn't matter what happens on this earth. And we are glad because we have eternity set and i can laugh at the crap i face here excuse me i'll give you a greek word at the scabala that i face here why because we are glad because he has filled my tongue with laughter he has filled my mouth with praise my past is taken care of my present is secure and I have the ultimate hope of eternity. And that's the good news. And loved ones, you can go to work tomorrow with that bad boss, and you can go, <laughs> this is really hard, but you know what? I am going to heaven. <laughs> and I want us loved ones to have that kind of hope. There was a man and his mother in law, they went on vacation. His wife, this man, and his mother-in-law went on vacation to the Holy Land. And while there, the mother-in-law passed away unexpectedly. Undertaker told them, you can have her flown home for $5,000. You can have her buried here in the Holy Land for 1500 Well, the man thought about it. They said, no, nah, just, we're just going to take her body home so the rest of the family can do it with us. And there's some other reasons, but it doesn't matter. Well, the undertaker said, listen, five grand, 1500 Are you kidding me? What's the... What's the deal? I mean, just just do it here. Have a nice little ceremony. We'll do it for you. It'd be so much less expensive. Well, the man noted, you know, as we've walked through the Holy Land, one thing has been really clear to us that a man died here. He was buried two thousand years ago, and three days later, he rose from the dead. <laughs> I, I I don't want to take that chance. <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, it's much easier to laugh when you know that we serve the God of the resurrection. Amen? Amen. And we, we, we get to be resurrected someday. Someone said it this way. Those that are far from God, this is as good as it ever gets. Those of us who know Christ and have experienced relationship with him, this is as bad as it ever gets. And I can laugh about that. When Jesus is front and center, we will laugh more with people at ourselves and at life. All the while doing all we can to serve him and letting others know about him. And I can laugh because you know what? He's God. I'm not. Can I challenge you today? Do something tonight. Where you'll, you'll do some kind of little Sabbath ceremony where you say, this week I'm going to remember to smile and laugh again. Amen.